0: Hail and well met, travelers, and welcome to the Kinky Tavern. Pull up a stool, what do you have to drink? Here we're going to talk about different aspects of kink, leather, the BDSM community, relationships within it, and so much more. All opinions voiced in this podcast are just that, opinions, and they should not be taken as fact or medical advice. Thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoy exciting announcement! guess what guys we have merch we all came up with some awesome ideas M designed them and alan set up our store
1: we have the classic kinky tavern logo as well as some clever and funny sayings from our podcasts or just from our little weird brains
0: our designs are available in shirts up to 5x Now to get a 5X, you have to go to men's and classic, but there are 5Xs, which I'm excited about. We also have hoodies, tapestries, stickers, blankets, mugs, zip pouches, face masks, and more. So check it out.
1: All proceeds go to our education fund, which helps all of us go to cons, go to classes, travel to cons, etc. So anything that you get will be helping us educate ourselves further to bring you more education on the podcast. If you would like to support us or follow us, we are on
0: Patreon at The Kinky Tavern. FetLife, Twitter, and Instagram, all at The Kinky Tavern. I'm also personally on FetLife at MDizzy, E-M-D-I-Z-Z-Y. Please do not friend me on that account. You can definitely follow me, and you can friend The Kinky Tavern, but please don't friend me on that one. That's for people I know. I'm also on TikTok at Mix Dizzy Soul. M-X-D-I-Z-Z-Y-S-O-U-L, and on Twitter at Daddy's Dizzy Soul, D-A-D-D-Y-S-D-I-Z-Z-Y-S-O-U-L, and all of those will be linked down below.
2: Yes, and you can also find me on TikTok. Yes, I have a TikTok. I'm never on it, but you can send me stuff at uh, pup underscore Merlin underscore Wrecker, R-E-K-K-R,
0: that is also my FetLife. You can follow me there or message me or whatever. I also run the Kinky Tavern Twitter. so.
1: And I am on FetLife at Alan's World 111. Please do not friend me. Only follow me there. Those are for people that I know. On Instagram, Lord Allen Vidra. That would be L O R D A L L E N V Y D R A. Twitter at Lord Allen one one one, and TikTok Allen's World one one one. Please follow me on TikTok so that I can get to a live.
0: Excellent. So please give us a follow, give us a like, and keep up to date on what we're doing with the Kinky Tavern podcast. The content that we discuss will likely be explicit. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Mix Dizzy, And I'm Pup Wrecker. And I'm Alan. And today we are sitting with the lovely Lady Veronica, a.k.a. Barrow. Welcome. What can you tell us about yourself before we get started? Of course. Uh, hi, I am
2: Lady Veronica Kestrel, and I have been in the lifestyle for 15 years. Started out in Denver and moved out to Los Angeles in 2018. And uh, since 2021, I have been a professional dominatrix, uh, working at the Los Angeles Sanctuary Studios under Mistress Cyan.
0: Fantastic! I love the community over there in LA. The not the community. That's not what I want to say. Oh, you don't the, like the community? See. Well, I don't know about the community, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was just thinking like the vibe over there that it's. And maybe I could be wrong, but I see a mm. lot more pro-doms that are able to thrive over there or pro, pro-subs, pro pro-doms uh, that are able to thrive over there more publicly, I feel like.
2: I think that's true. Uh, it certainly is easier to get started in the industry, mm-hmm. but it's a real test of what it is, how flexible you are and how capable you are of continuing the habits that will make you successful in this business and mm-hmm. figuring out. Uh, that what works for one is not necessarily going to work for all, and trying to filter all of the different approaches and advice that you're going to get through the your own lens and how you're going to reach your audience and let them see you instead of a version of you crafted by someone else.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there's a ton of competition and you've got to, you can't just pick a, uh, gosh, my brain is, Failing me, you can't just pick like a niche and go with it. You've really got to be yourself and sell yourself like as a person. You know, I
2: uh, I, awesome. I would agree and disagree. Um, mm-hmm. you do want to make sure that you have a few niches that you can sustain, that mm-hmm. bring you joy, and that you can connect with your audience in an authentic way. Um, mine uh, seems to be kink education. You know, you mm-hmm. most of you have found me through my tiktok videos yes and so uh i'm known for overthinking this uh quite a lot (laughs) and uh, which is great and i love it i like the exposure that i've gotten um and i originally had created my my kink talk channel in order to facilitate growing my business but Mm. that ended up being the most widely spread and successful part of my business and so it's like I said, filtering the feedback that you get, and the, the advice you get through how people see you and what is really connecting with your audience. And uh, through that, I've been able to create the Discord server that I've got that I can <laughs> connect with my audience directly and give them the content that they're actually looking for, Um, which falls down into a few niches. But just going in saying, I'm going to be a big goth mommy dom right at the exactly. beginning. You might not work as one. I mean, uh, but when you figure out what you do that really sets the fire inside your clients, you know, sets it alight, that is what you're going to end up needing to do more often. Um, but you can branch out into so many things. Uh, one of the local dominants out here is uh, a friend of mine, uh, Starry Yumi. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does all different kinds of fetishes. I don't know how I can keep up with her. She's Constantly exploring new and different ways of just hitting these small niche fetishes and putting out such a broad spectrum of content that it's incredible how, how flexible she is. And that's not really me because mm-hmm. I she can do it and it all looks authentic and fun. If I was trying to get into these really obscure things, I wouldn't know what I'm doing. So I know where where I can connect with my audience and where I can't. And so... No, I wouldn't say you could just pick a niche and run with it, but right. there is a sort of give and take between you and your audience and and, and what falls enough within your skill set and what you can learn that you can authentically deliver it to an audience that is looking for that. And Hello. a very wordy response.
1: <laughs> no, we love wordy. It's great. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess my only question right now is that, is it more of a competition with the other like sex workers in the area, or is it like a big community of people who just generally have the same field?
2: Ah uh, honestly, I couldn't say that it's one or the other. Uh, it it really depends on the worker from person to person. Um some of the the DOMs that I work with, i I go to them, I look to them as an example. And try to learn from what it is that they do. And I, I'll ask them and they'll, they're not going to give away their secrets. They're very close guarded with all of their things. They're not going to want to spread around what it is that they know or how they mm-hmm. do it. They don't have time for you. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm not going to name any names on this. And some of, them, right. <laughs> so, some of them are more than happy to work with everyone and want to share the love and bring people in and mutual exposure being what it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, rising tide elevates all boats, right? So, like, we're we're... When I connect with a local professional, you know, I'll get into talking. If we have good chemistry, we'll work together. It's it's happened more often than I thought it would Mm -hmm. and with surprising amounts of ease. And so I have found a very welcoming community with quite a bit of the other professionals working in this area. And but I've also found ones that don't. And so it depends from person to person. And are you able to make friends and talk to people just like any other part of the lifestyle or any other part of your life?
0: that's true that's very true networking and just keeping a decent reputation and finding the people who are willing to share those things and you know like on one hand i kind of get it being close guarded with your secrets you worked hard for that Mm -hmm. but as you said you know if we help the community like you said rising tides raises all ships is that what you said yeah that's a great that's an awesome i've never heard that uh colloquialism or phrase that's awesome It's
2: originally intended to describe like an economic situation, but Mm. in this case, it's more like if everyone helps out each other, we all benefit. Absolutely. And some other people have that attitude, yeah.
1: You get that socialism out of my podcast right now. Uh, Nope, Uh -uh. sorry, I'm a
2: dirty commie. You can't stop me.
1: (laughs) All right. Are you ready to get started with
0: the questions then? And we can see where our uh, conversation takes us. Absolutely. Wonderful. You walk into the Kinky Tavern. And you see a menu or a buffet with all the kinks you could ever imagine. What do you pick up first?
2: Okay. So for appetizers, I definitely want to get myself a, a puppy or some other kind of small pet player. Yeah, uh, I love the energy and it always is so easy for me to, uh, for lack of a better word, transition into my Dom mindset mm-hmm. uh, in which I can be playful but controlling. Um, I'm able to take that eagerness to submit that eagerness to serve and to please and turn that into a a really, uh, what's the word, uh, symbiotic energy within Mm. a scene. And so that we're both kind of, the more that I give to them, the more submissive they get and the more energy I get back and it's able to build me up. And it's an energizing scene. I find that it's, I always feel great coming out of like pet play scenes. And I didn't even know I liked pet play until I was with, uh, my last partner and, uh, and yeah, she's great. She's a little puppy fox type person. Aww. So, uh, yeah, pet play definitely for appetizers, uh, <laughs> and then I'd be uh, happy
1: to be your appetizer.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean you do look rather appetizing, but you know, uh, <laughs> like you said, cult leader. Um, <laughs> for for uh, for the main course, I'd be looking to do impact play um, as a warm up with uh my my paddles and crops and bare hand spanking into a sensation play with sensory isolation i like to use blindfolds gags and i even have a pair of high quality shooting range style ear muffs to isolate the hearing and if i'm really feeling crazy if i'm really feeling crazy i would do uh insert into the ear foam type ear uh earplugs uh and put my Russian style dog face gas mask over that. And with the latex circular cutouts to place over the eye holes. So you're completely isolated and any noise you make is just being transmitted through the skeletal structure of your own face into your own ears. So you're totally isolated. I would put a soft pair of socks in each one of your hands, and then cover them with soft gloves, so it takes away your sensation of touch. And into the air breathing, uh, the air breathing opening, I would put a sprig of lavender to hmm. remove your ability to smell anything besides that. So totally isolating your senses, and then from there, it's, uh, it's my claws. It will uh, be various kinds of claw tools, my Wartenberg pinwheels, soft rabbit furs that I've got, um, my abrasive uh, dish scouring plastic brushes to, to really get that redness, that beautiful colors of redness out in your skin. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely send your senses on fire and keep you completely off balance. I'd play hot and cold, um, a little bit of fire play. Um, just for like maybe a little bit of cupping, but also just the, the, uh, the hair mousse trick. Yeah, you, uh, mean you set the mousse on someone in, in little patterns and light one end, mm-hmm. um, I, uh, play with ice cubes, probably a little bit of paraffin wax to isolate a, uh, a, an ice cube on the stomach, cut it open and let it feel like they're leaking down themselves. And, mm-hmm. um. So play with the sensation play an awful lot. And then after I've driven them completely into space, um, pick them up, put them up on a cross. And then we're going to go into my favorite, my six-point flogging and my bullwhip technique, sensual bullwhip, uh, Mm. just to get them driven straight into another dimension. Um, And then, of course, aftercare for dessert.
0: Love
1: that. All I'm saying is 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 that I would pay so much for that.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, my rate is 300 an hour. As of current recording. God damn it! Uh,
1: (laughs) I wish I could afford that.
0: And that would take at least a few.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah. Can I get a credit card with no (laughs) (laughs) limit, please? We.
0: It sounds like we actually have very similar favorite dominant activities. Oh, yeah. I just can't do all of that in one <laughs> scene, unfortunately, because I am the broken. <laughs>
2: See, yeah. yeah. Uh, physical limitations notwithstanding, uh, one thing that really uh, struck me when I moved from Denver out here was not so much the cultural difference, but the expectations of what's going to happen within a scene, like what, how long a scene is meant to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When I uh, first started going to the Denver Sanctuary, which is run by uh, Christine Wengelwick, She's amazing. She's such a nice lady. Um, it doubles as a dangerous theater where I've performed several times. Um, when I started going out there, uh, I idolized the experienced dominance that I saw. And mm-hmm. these were people that really, really took their time. The majority of them in like their 50s and 60s, these are not impatient people. These are people who spread a scene out over like the entirety of a night. It was mm-hmm. not uncommon to see people doing three-hour, four-hour scenes. And so they would be very slow warm-ups and constantly mixing it up between sensation play and impact play. Um, The pain would be doled out frequently throughout just to keep that nice meditative state and extend it out for as long as possible. You'd see people taking water breaks, snack breaks even sometimes, and just like moving the scene out into the social areas to talk, back into the dungeon. Like, these were a whole night that you spent at the dungeon doing dungeon shit together um that's what i initially expected when i started doing my scenes and then when i moved out to la it's far more i would i don't want to say bite sized but it's a smaller more compact scene you're expected to accomplish everything that you would want to do in a scene within an hour and for me that's so fast like to to I, I like to take my time and mm-hmm. and sensually guide someone down into that nice meditative subspace. Whereas, you know, we we have no time to 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 waste in an hour-long scene that also needs to accommodate for aftercare and also needs to accommodate for various stoppages, yellow calls, adjustments, you know, monitoring joint pain and things like that. It's so mm-hmm. much to cram into such a small amount of space. And that's just relatively – for anyone who really enjoys one-hour scenes, understand, that's not me knocking on your style at all. I think that it's very efficient, and you can do a lot of stuff with a lot of people and or keep a scene very, very focused. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just not what I was conditioned, I guess, or trained to expect. And so it took a lot of adjustment for me. Um, So when I say, like, this is what I would order if I had – you know, if I was was queen of the world and could do whatever I wanted – uh yeah that's that's what i would do i'd spread it out over the course of an entire evening at the dungeon i'd be there with one person and that person would be my subject for the entire night and i would be making sure that they have the night of their lives mm-hmm. because that's fun to me right. you know i want to give them something they're going to go and talk about for ages you know not just one more session of vlogging which yeah. i mean I'm i'm happy to do but i i don't know Yeah. If I can spread it out over a long enough time, I can, I feel like I can leave my real own personal signature on it.
0: Yeah. I mean, each type of scene has its own pros and cons and each Mm -hmm. person has its own connection to each type. So yeah, that's definitely understandable. And both types are valid.
1: I feel like a lot of people don't do that balance thing that you were talking about. They just either go like one or the other. And With my experience in, like, doing stuff with Mixtezzy and Wrecker, it's, like, we plan out a few things that we do. Like, we start off with Impact, and then we go into the soft, sensual stuff afterwards for, like, kind of a a come down slash come up, depending on what (laughs) we're doing. Um, But it's... I wish that more people did the balance thing, because I feel like a lot more people would be more keen to going to a dungeon... If they knew that they were going in to do multiple things and not just one after the other. Sure. Does that make sense? But that comes down to
2: people. (laughs) That does come down to people needing to um, communicate what it is that they want to do to pre-negotiate scenes. Um, and to establish a good rapport with someone outside the dungeon before they go, which is why in every podcast that I've been on, that's asked, "Hey, what would your be advice be to do?" Because I'm like, your first thing should not be a dungeon party. Go to munches, meet people, talk with them. And even with people that I've negotiated with several times in the past, if I'm gonna go and do a long scene or a particularly intense scene, I start from the basics. We go all the way back to the math rubric, and we fill out a whole fresh worksheet so that I know everything going in because. If I'm going to go that intense or that long, I want to make sure that anything that's changed since the last time we played, or anything that I may have forgotten, that I've got it right there, present and accounted for. Um, but if you're if you're wondering how a scene would get extended out that far without just purposefully being slow, imagine like if a Shibari scene wasn't just a Shibari scene. Like if you're trying to incorporate rope into another scene. Don't plan for only an hour, because the intricate rope work on its own is going to take you a pretty decently long time. And if you're going to try multiple poses and multiple you know styles of play within those poses, you're going to need to take a lot of time. Um, the ten the tendency of rope work to be its own scene, isolated on its own, uh, is a little bit personally distressing because I do like rope, but it does take forever, and people are often very impatient about trying to include it within other scenes because it does take forever so unless you've got a long time you can't really which is why rope jams are so often separated from other kinds of play unless you're like watching you know something on a major porn site or something like that um which is a shame but i mean dungeons are crowded and things like that you know you don't have all the time in the world to do whatever you want Um, right but i think that the more you integrate different styles of play that connect with you and with someone that you have good play chemistry with, you can definitely stretch it out and be patient with your scenes mm-hmm. and kind of slow burn it up to where you want it to be,
0: absolutely. I know that mm. like when we go to dungeons a lot of times, we will do those shorter, um quicker scenes where it's maybe just one or two types of you know, like maybe impact and sensory deprivation sure. or something like that. Um, but like at home, we, chill on the bed and play around with one another and get out toys and like it just it's a very slow thing and if I need because I have disability and I'm uh, in chronic pain and if I need Mm. to sit and smoke or if I need to take my meds I can do that and especially because I typically have a couple of people in the room I am able to maybe boss one of them around (laughs) on what they're doing to the other one and that's really fun too. So, yes, I love that so much, and I think that balance is key in the different types of play you can access you can access. I totally agree, I yeah. Totally I think agree. that,
1: like, both of us being um disabled is like a huge part of the way that our scenes move, just mm-hmm. for this simple fact of like, we sit down and we like chill. and you know, if I need a break within. Like, an impact scene, it's not going to be hated on for me to, like, say, hey, I need to sit down for, like, maybe two to three minutes because my ankle's getting tired and I can't stand for very much longer. Or, like, my um, sensory issues are, like, going nuts right now. Can I take a break from this flogging session because I really like it? Um, Which also kind of goes into why we use plain language instead of, like, safe words. Is because it's I mean easier I still to like the use of safe words, but
2: played yeah. language is you still useful, especially if you're with a sub who really knows how to communicate. Yeah. Uh shout out to uh uh my Baby sub. Um, but uh the uh, the concept of Needing to accommodate for the needs, uh, the various kinds of physical limitations and needs and uh, disabilities that you encounter in the scene, and you will encounter them uh, if you're, especially if you're in a scene long enough to, you know, be in your thirties and forties. You know, you're you're going to encounter a lot of that in the scene: chronic pain havers and and various kinds of mobility issues. going to see that and the more inclusive that you can make your play the better and more diverse a community and wonderful experiences you're going to be have shout out to gothic metalhead for that as well i learned so much about accessible play from gothic metalhead and their channel is criminally undersubscribed uh if you're listening to this you better go subscribe to gothic metalhead on TikTok because they're so cool um but uh but yeah, you, you find ways to make your play more inclusive, and you will expand not only the people you can play with, but the length of time you can play with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you'll expand like your that. community, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that feel that the community is inaccessible, and unfortunately, that is not just a feeling in a lot of places. That yes. is fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can make your spaces accessible, and we only have digital spaces Right now, and I'm not sure that we'll ever not have just digital spaces, but they are accessible to anyone who wants to come. We have disabled uh, classes on disability constantly because the three of us have neurodivergence and disability and stuff like that, and it just alters the makeup of your community in a really fantastic way.
2: Totally agree. Yeah. Um, I I fully agree, and your reputation will do you wonders by doing that. You know, if people mm-hmm. recognize you specifically as a safe person and you know if if they feel like they can come to you and you're going to accept them regardless of who you are you again your reputation is everything in this in this lifestyle um and if you start to get recognized as a safe person the possibilities for your future expand rapidly Mm -hmm. and i mean so even if you need to do it for selfish reasons there's a selfish reason but right you know you'll be a selfish reason to be a good person (laughs) I don't think that being a good person is entirely an unselfish act. You know, you want to get around with the people around you because it brings joy to your life. And I don't necessarily think that acting selfishly in that sense is a negative or or harmful thing. One of the hardest lessons that I've learned in the last 10 years is that you can be selfish, and if you try to live your entire life selflessly in every aspect, there's going to be nothing more of you to give. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you can absolutely have some self-interest. You know, that's your survival instinct taking care of you, and it will help you pursue joy. And if you follow that joy and you spread it to others, you, you really are not going to be able to go wrong there. Just you know, be yeah. careful,
0: you know, what you do. Absolutely agree. Mm.
1: Totally agree. Right. Sorry, oh, I should I probably this ask this. the next question. Wait. Oh, I was. <laughs> Who's going next? I thought I was supposed I... to go next. Oh, I can or
2: you can. It doesn't matter.
1: Okay. Uh, rock paper scissors for it.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Shoot! Oh, f- you cheated! You fucking cheated! No,
2: there's a delay.
0: There's a delay. Honestly, oh. <laughs> he had the scissors <laughs> a delay. up far before your scissors came yeah, up. On your the...
1: one, two, three, and then your. Hand. Oh. Oh.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> okay ready
1: one two three go okay fuck you get to read it okay (laughs) so uh
2: what do people misunderstand about you the most Uh, okay (laughs)
0: um
2: all right so shout out to my audience because none of them have this attitude about me at all um but in terms of people approaching me for business the things that people tend to misunderstand about me the most is that i have no interest at all whatsoever, in uh, showing you my genitals, mm. like at all, right. Uh, I know this won't come as a huge surprise to th- my fellow trans sisters. Um, but uh, the uh, I, I don't like it. I don't like being um I don't like being objectified in that way um, right. and being approached. I'm like a whole person. Uh, And you'll see me, if you were able to watch me in my downtime at the Sanctuary, if I'm not posting online and running my business, I am out on the main floor practicing my six-point, practicing my bullwhip technique to make sure that it's like an angel's kiss when I want it to be, like super soft and sensual. I am constantly drilling my skills and mastering my techniques because that's what I want to show off. I want to make sure that I have pristine technique that I can... That will keep people coming back for a sensual and amazing scene. But so much of the business that falls in my lap, the first impression is, hey, I want to see it. Mm -hmm. They'll pay my panties off surcharge at the... You can't touch it. No matter what you pay me, you you will never touch it. But that is the first thing. They'll pay the surcharge to get me in the nude, and they'll just want to look at it. And I'm just like... (laughs) $300. Yeah. $300. You know how easy it would have been for you to just Google this? Like, you could just look this up. Right. 300 bucks for this? Um. Oh my and, like, I want to be better known for my skills and mm-hmm. the, the education and the time that I've invested into learning my craft than I am for my an- anatomy. Absolutely. And I know my audience, I'm just preaching to the choir here. All of them know this, <laughs> right. so this well enough. Um, but this seems to be the the key thing that gets me uh, business, that gets me exposure. It seems to be a, uh one of the driving reasons why people approach me for mutual uh, like collaborative work and shoots um, is just because oh I don't have any trans pre op trans girl tra- uh, content. Let's let's make some of that. And mm-hmm. arguably, yeah, it's a niche that I that works for me. And sometimes you have to follow your niche. But uh, it's That's it's certainly fair. something that I. I don't want to be a long-term and prominent part of my brand or image because that's right. not what I've concentrated on. It's certainly not what I enjoy. Um, and so, if they yeah. would just if they would just ask or if they just look and see what it is that I have to offer, mm-hmm. um, I feel like they'd see a lot more and have a much better time. And uh, along those same lines, I don't actually have. Any interest in making in doing a feminization scene where I then treat you like shit for being a man who dares to look feminine? Mm-hmm. I, have, I have no actual interest in it. A hundred percent of the time, if I'm doing that in a scene, it's just because you paid me to. I am a hundred percent acting. I, I, it is not something that I feel like doing. It's not something that I would authentically be able to deliver, mm-hmm. and. Let me let me do a feminization scene in which I tell you you're pretty. Let me do that. Mm-hmm. Let me build you up. Let me call you cute. Let me do those kind of things. Um, because yes. I don't actually like tearing people down. You know, I'll mm-hmm. I'll I'll do some shit talking during any scene, but it's all tongue in cheek, and I do it with a smirk on my face. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm there to to tease you. I'm not there to actually make you feel like garbage. Um, but so much. Of of my scene is trying to reinforce these these really toxic stereotypes about people who are uh, assigned men at birth mm-hmm. uh, being made to feel guilty or alien or ugly for wanting to embody a different uh, characterization and visualization of themselves. And right. it's not it's not where I want to be. It's not what I want to be known for.
0: That's absolutely fair. And I think yeah. unfortunately you will always have people. That that's how they view you, you know, and that sucks, but that's how it is. Just like people will always, there will always be people that see me as a female, as a woman, even though I am Mm -hmm. non-binary. There's just going to be people that that's how their brains are and that's sad Mm -hmm. for them. But you've got your audience and your friends and that's beautiful. And Mm -hmm. I know that especially in today's world, that almost feels, I don't want to say empty, but it almost feels like an insult because everything going on in the world in general but that's kind of what i've had to cling to it's like my people you mm-hmm. know
2: look it, for any of my fans watch, uh, listening to this just know that if travel was free i'd work for you guys exclusively like <laughs> i know that why you come to me is is for the exact things that i want to put out and i would absolutely do that if travel was free 100 uh, percent. Well, I'd, I'd make you come to me obviously but
0: <laughs> right
2: <laughs> uh but but yeah I'd, I'd work for you exclusively um because it seems like the people who have connected with me through my education platforms, through my server um, and through that kinds of content uh, they they understand and they're it, they're energized by the kinds of things that I put out.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I would agree your uh, your videos are very energizing. Mm-hmm. Your presence is energizing oh. and um I was actually having a pretty bad pain day today, but you made my day better. Aw, thank you. Yeah, of course. What are your biggest turn ons? My
2: biggest turn-ons is when some well, my biggest turn-on period, is when someone is able to tell me something something insightful about myself that I don't hear. When someone is able to get me off balance like that, I'll hear something uh like I get compliments on the same few things all the time. Like people like the way my eyes look, and then it, yes, it's wonderful to hear that. People like uh, some people like my voice, and yes, it's wonderful to hear. But someone will say something insightful after like paying attention to me and watching my behavior and the way that I speak or the what makes me blush. And when they can get me off balance by offering up an observation that is not a piece of information that I volunteered to them, that will 100 uh catch me off guard and i am so turned on by someone when they're able to do that i know very basic but paying attention is
1: (laughs) the bar is (laughs) is so fucking hot
2: (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't say that the bar is on the floor because i i mean it's not so much that like people will listen and they'll retain information but I have a lot of observations made about me as a person who is out there on the internet and is constantly being observed. I have a lot of observations made about me all the time, both to my face and just in comment sections. But when someone can tell me something that I didn't know, or they just watch me closely in order to know when I'm off my guard, it's, it's amazing. Or when someone demonstrates to me that they ha- thought about me when I wasn't in their immediate peripheral you know, that I infect their thoughts and they are common and they're thinking about me even when I'm nowhere near them. That is a huge compliment and I love it. I really do. And that's, that really is my biggest turn on.
1: You're giving me motivation now. Oh? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Make Biro blush by complimenting them, of course. Like...
2: Look, people like it. They they make fun of me when I when they're able to make me blush and but I like it. I, I, I think it's hilarious and, and cute and That's one
1: of my favorite sadistic things to do <laughs> <laughs> is to compliment you so much that you start blushing. It's great.
2: Mm-hmm. But it has to be shit I don't hear all the time. You
0: gotta exactly, be insightful yeah. about
1: it. <laughs> What's up?
0: I thought we were muted. I was gonna ask if you had asked your question yet
1: yeah yeah, we were just talking about my question actually i apologize i'm being flirty and cheeky
0: i heard that that's lovely yeah that's just because you're a good puppy
1: i gotta go (laughs) i gotta go i cannot finish this podcast if you're gonna do that i have a cage back there i'm gonna go crawl into it
2: (laughs) oh that's just where you belong
1: absolutely right yeah (laughs) i made it for a reason
0: That actually segues wonderfully into our next question. What are your biggest turn offs?
2: (laughs) And I know this is going to sound just obvious, but slurs, slurs of any kind. I I don't want them used against me and I Mm -hmm. do not want to use them against you under any circumstance. I don't care. I don't care if it's part of a demographic I'm not a part of. I don't care if it's part of a demographic that I am part of. I don't care. I don't want to use them. I don't like them. Uh, They're not fun to me and they always take me right out of the headspace that I want to be in. It will kill the energy immediately.
1: Likewise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Nope.
0: In fact, I have even gone as far as, you know, they don't always necessarily use slurs, but if someone uses language that is microaggressive to someone, it just, it it switches, uh, it flips a switch in me that I'm just like, nope, not into you anymore.
2: Yeah. And I immediately feel myself switch from playful mode into educator mode and I'm like okay this is no longer a scene this is now a lecture here we go (laughs) here's why you never say that word in my presence
1: (laughs) um that okay so like I just had to catch one of my friends doing this last night but just like it turns me off of most social things not even Mm -hmm. just play but like I had somebody last night who saw my like trans laces on my boots and were Mm -hmm. like oh Ma'am, how are you, ma'am? And I'm like, Jesus Christ! I don't know if you are, like, actively trying to piss me off or if you, like, genuinely think that I'm, like, a trans woman because I do get mistaken for, like, various different trans identities that aren't mine mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, it's the androgyny. Is, there's I, so I many layers.
2: <laughs> there's so many layers to the use of the word ma'am as well because there's the it's ma'am meme uh back to that one GameStop video and that's just constantly like he's used to like insult us like people come into my live and they go it's ma'am trying to say that I'm like a a non-passable rager dude and I'm just like Mm -hmm. yeah it's hilarious like how many different layers of irony how many different layers of irony is it going to take for you to properly insult me because do you think (laughs) do you think that now after three and a half years of transitioning like that that's gonna be the line that's it you're right you're right shut it down boys they got us
0: how many years before that of dealing with the bullshit of not knowing you know yeah. or not yeah. being out, at least
2: and this, the, the, the low effort slur use uh like people yeah. just come into my live and just like hey dude that's a dude <laughs> That's a bro. It, like when I when I specifically will put out videos where I will specifically say, I don't think that I can pull off a proper feminine voice. I wonder why. And they'll fucking like, every time <laughs> I do that to myself, and you think mm-hmm. you're gonna burn me by coming into my thing and be like, Are you pregnant? I just smile. I was like, No, I'm not pregnant, I'm just chubby.
0: Mm-hmm. Look at this. Oh
2: um. I'm the top
1: in breeding, thank you. <laughs> Uh, like, I get so much. You want to be like, my little
2: seahorse? I'll feel
1: you mm-hmm. up, daddy.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> I
1: have to leave. Um, I need to exit this planet right now. Um, but fine. no, I get all the time, like, the you're a girl comment. And I'm kind of like you, where I'm like, could you pick something better? Right. Like, or um, <sighs> what are you? Are you multiple people? Like, bitch, I might be. I'm at least seven raccoons in a trench coat. At the yeah, least.
2: Minimum. minimum. Minimum for sure.
1: Depends on how androgynous I'm feeling that day. It might be eight, might be seven. You don't know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Ask me about my raccoons as a pin instead of it's asking always funny. about my pronouns. Yeah.
2: Be like, you see a postal worker, what pronouns do you use? They them. Yeah. Like, well, I didn't tell you what gender they were. So you don't <laughs> know, do you? So what do you use? Do you use they them? Yeah, I thought so. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um... someone left their wallet here last night. I don't know who it was but they should come back and get it, you know.
2: Mhm. Yep. It, it's very strange. These it's people a pretty
1: natural form of language for a
2: group of people who is constantly saying that like elementary school uh school lessons will qualify for your entirety of your education instead of any kind of advanced learning. They sure do forget how basic pronouns work that are taught to you in like the fourth grade.
1: <laughs> mhm.
2: Yeah. Like, I get that you're trying to flex your sixth grade biology, but you forgot your fourth grade English, so.
1: <laughs> and, like, they don't even flex the sixth grade biology No. Very well.
2: <laughs> they don't.
1: I remember do learning not. about multiple chromosomes that are mm-hmm. not just XX and XY. Like, I remember learning about PCOS and, like, knowing that that was, a, like, a chromosomal difference. Right. And, mm-hmm. like... Technically, people who have PCOS are intersex. Mm -hmm. Which, hi, that's me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Technically, I'm intersex. Yeah. Yeah. I just
0: found that out last week, actually. Thanks, Alan. So that's been interesting. Last thought process to go through. Yeah.
1: Yeah, But the issue. I thought we've been over this.
2: The issue of intersex (laughs) acceptance has been always a very important one to me, uh, especially in the last couple of years, because Mm -hmm. people who are important to me. Uh, are intersex and just listening to their stories of how their minds and bodies were altered at such a young age blows me away in just the levels of cruelty and just ignorance that were thrust upon them um, to force them into an identity that ends up not being correct and not being how not does not not feeling right alienating you from your own body Um, Mm -hmm. and (sighs) watching that up close has i mean i i never didn't accept intersex people but right watching it up close is is profound in how much it will make that issue um incredibly present and important uh just you know for the 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 whole idea of proximity to you like i'm not intersex but i have such close people to me that are and it, it brings the whole thing into light where even like trans advocates who will say, oh, no, we shouldn't use the you know intersex identity thing as an argument because it's such a vanishingly small thing. I'm like, to you, to you, yeah. it's vanishingly small. People I love are intersex. This is immediately present. This is important. And we can't just write this off as a factor in this argument. Mm-hmm. Um. So like, it 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 became that for me uh, to the point where because I used to think oh yeah you know it's a vanishingly small genetic thing I don't know how strong of an argument that really makes in our favor but now I'm like no, no no look case study right here this is this is very important and we should not write this off because it's like medically it's like the front line of this fight honestly mm-hmm. and it's it is it is the linchpin that holds this whole enforcement medical enforcement of the gender binary together. Uh, and it's disgusting and it's cruel. Um, people are already carving out – in all these anti-trans legislations that are being – I know this isn't a political podcast, but in, in all these anti-trans no, legislations <laughs> that are being passed throughout the country right now, um, each one of these in the states that are, are are forcing people to detransition, they're creating in these bills carve-outs that will allow people to forcibly transition their intersex kids. Mm-hmm. Because the enforcement of the gender binary supersedes their arguments for the medical intervention in a child's gender for anyone else who isn't intersex. The hypocrisy is written into the law, not just in the pundits on the TV and on the Senate floor, but literally in the text of the law itself. Mm-hmm. If you want to say that medical uh, medical essentialism is the key to gender and you're also going to sit there and forcibly mutilate your child... I have no respect for your position. I can't even say that you're ideologically consistent within the rubric of your own thought process. And it's disgusting and it's quite pathetic.
1: Yeah. Just shout out to all
2: my intersex Yeah.
1: I'm here for you
2: like you don't even understand.
1: I was going to say, like, living in one of those states currently. Like, I live in Oklahoma. If nobody knows, I think I've announced it a million times on the pod, but, like, I am (laughs) from Oklahoma uh currently uh residing on Delaware Nation uh land uh mm-hmm. but grew up in Choctaw Nation so that being said um apparently our tribal healthcare is also being affected now because I'm a part of a trans and two spirit group at my local IHS and we actually have been talking about that and I'm watching like Various different trans people and two-spirit identifying people be fucking terrified. And, like, not even, like, a little bit or, like, slightly. I'm, like, seeing tears coming down people's faces and, like, them trying to flee the state because they don't know if they're going to be able to receive the healthcare that they need. Yeah. And detransitioning for a lot of trans people is more detrimental than, like not like living in a state like this yeah where like you have to detransition it's fucking terrible and like detransitioning comes with a lot of like hormonal imbalances too and that affects your like mental and emotional state Uh and like i have to watch congress tapes all the fucking time because again most of my friends are trans and so i'm seeing them go to these town hall meetings and like congress and all this and i'm seeing congress be absolutely fucking incompetent when it comes to trans issues just like no coherent thoughts at all and that's what really pisses me off
2: oh yeah it isn't just um it isn't just within the the opposition to trans progress that the education is lacking though I find that the, even within the trans community intersex education and understanding uh, of the ways that other cultures refer to trans identities like the the fact that you can't just be a, any kind of person and identify as two-spirit um or as mahu or like any of these identities that are very culturally focused um you can't just uh, uh, you know take those identities in yourself and the, the lack of understanding even within our own community is pretty profound so I'm not surprised that the people who oppose all trans uh, rights and and progress also lack that education. But in order to stand as a unified front, we need to present a more consistent, um, a more consistent knowledge base. It's important, mm-hmm. and I would encourage any any anyone here that is uh, listening that is a champion of trans rights that wants to fight that fight and has the energy to continue doing so, please research this. Please, you know, read some articles. Educate yourself on this subject because it is going to be a major part of the fight going forward. And more than more than most trans issues affects completely defenseless children yeah. in ways that are profound and profoundly painful for the rest of their lives uh, in some cases. And so please research this. Please look into this. I certainly didn't during uh, the earlier parts of my transition, and I regret that. Um, I am certainly educated on the subject now. Um but, like, for example, uh, I we had a a gender expansive and inclusivity training at my current vanilla job mm-hmm. where a person brought in um the, the person that was brought in to teach the class uh, said that they used to identify as two-spirit despite the fact that they don't have an indigenous American bone in their body. Um, and I was shocked by I was like, uh, you did you did what? And then they brought up a video where they brought up a numerous famous faces to come up and talk about pronouns, and one of them was Buck Fucking Angel, and I was like, "Okay, nice. who made this? Why is this here?" And so, uh, and so I was I was quite shocked. Um, just we need to have people who are who, if you're going to be tapped to teach within this, uh, teach within these subjects. I'm not saying that we need a purity test to everyone. That's certainly not the case. But you need to make sure that you're up to date on the issues and that you've at least done the research on anything that you're going to speak to, especially if it's something as intrinsic and unassailable as personal identity. Mm-hmm. Because I could not stand up and challenge this person in the middle of an uh, of a meeting and say, the fuck you did identify as two-spirit. I don't know. No, you didn't. That's mm-hmm. messed up. That's literally <laughs> cultural appropriation. Right. Um. But... At the same time, I shouldn't have had to. Not if this person is being brought in as an educator, certainly not if they're trying to be sensitive and preach sensitivity to a group of people who've never heard of this stuff before. Because now an right. entire group of people who work for the, the place that I work for now have the idea that that's an option, that that's totally a thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. If they maybe they retained it, maybe they didn't, but certainly the idea has been planted in your head that that's a normal thing to do or that we consider that normal and acceptable. So if you're going to call yourself an educator, you have an additional responsibility to be educated at the very least on the subjects you're planning on teaching.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. And since delving into the kink education world, Mm. I have definitely learned so much more about myself, about other people, other identities and minorities and the political sphere and culture and just so much. But I mean, like, okay, so I just looked it up. 12% of people have PCOS, 12% of AFABs, I should say have PCOS in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know being a kink educator for over a year now, and being in the kink community for eight, I didn't know that that was an intersex identity until last week. This education needs to be spread more. And the miseducation, unfortunately, people are not going to accept corrections. But you know, that needs to be stamped out somehow.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. agree. And As an Indigenous person, I just want to say that no, it is not okay if you identify as (laughs) Two-Spirit, and you don't have any Indigenous bones in your body, and you're also not educating about what that means. I don't mind if somebody who is white, uh, or at least white passing, identifies as Two-Spirit, as long as you are also educating about MMIWG, um, every child, all things like that, um, our reservations don't have air conditioning sometimes. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're yeah. talking about stuff like that, I'm kind of like, okay, okay. I, I won't say anything about you kind of sort of appropriating this identity, but have some gumption, please.
2: Mm-hmm. I am. I do have an indigenous bone in my body of several, Uh, but I still don't because wrong tribe.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what tribe are you? Yaqui. Oh, very nice. I've never mm-hmm. met somebody who's yaqui. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, how we're we're are. sort of
2: uh our 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 background is sort of uh blended with the Mayo. Like they're they're it's Mexican identity is uh, indigenous identity in California is really kind of mess messy. Um yeah. Like we we're we're united under several banners. Uh, you know the the Nation of Aslan and things like that. And so my background is. It's difficult to parse out exactly where that was deliberately done to us. Um, so when uh, I talked to the the members of my family who are who really do treasure their indigenous background, they just say we're Mayo Yaki and closer to Yaki than Mayo, but yeah, mayo yaki. it's it's messy. It's real messy. We were colonized like hell,
1: were not we all mm-hmm. um, yeah. So my indigenous heritage is like kind of mud, muddy as well. It's like, um, so I'm registered as Choctaw, um, but my, so I'm a quarter Choctaw, but also my mom has indigenous ancestry through her grandmother. Mm. And then also she is Jewish. Um, so like I have a lot of muddy genes, (laughs) Uh, But the one that I've always known is that I am indigenous. Um, That's always been a thing for me. I've literally never seen a doctor outside of tribal services before, like not too long ago. Um, Which also, I just want to say that regular doctors are fucking weird. And I'm also raw dogging this day with no Adderall. So (laughs) um, excuse me if I get a little bit off topic. Uh, I get it. I'm
2: on my third cup of coffee myself.
1: Yeah, I had a Red Bull to, like, try and sustain a little bit of what I have. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, like, I think most indigenous heritage is, like, muddy in some way.
2: I, I want to get away from saying muddy. It is it is muddled. It muddled. Is, <laughs> thank you. It, is, thank it you. is more opaque to try and sort out exactly mm-hmm. where you come from. Yeah, um, no, I totally agree. But it's agree. there.
0: That is unfortunately by design. The yeah, it is colonizers did that entirely purpose.
2: Yeah, uh, we had some indigenous uh, folks come out to the Samhain celebration last year at the Dragon and the Rose, which is my local um, my local pagan store um, that they do rituals and it's the focus of the local community. Mm-hmm. So at the Samhain ritual, there were uh, some indigenous folks and they sat at my table and we got to talking and they were talking about the uh, the most recent powwow that they went to um, and. Uh, and i said you know the last time i went to one of those i think it was like 18 so it's been a very long time almost half my life ago and i said i feel i feel out of place because i don't know enough i didn't research enough about my my background i wasn't taught how to do this i feel like i'd be invading this space because i don't i don't look the part i don't act the part and i certainly don't know anything here and I I don't want to come in and feel out of place and be disruptive or beast anything to trying to make something uncomfortable. And she looks in my face and she drops her voice and goes, the land will remember you. And I was like blown away. I was like,
1: I fucking Goddamn. love that.
2: That's so cool. That was the nicest thing that I needed. That's exactly the right thing to say. because uh, it's like, oh, wow. I don't think I've ever publicly talked about my indigenous heritage, but yeah.
1: Oh well thank you yeah. for sharing it with us. Yeah. I, think I guess I bring like that out in people. So, yeah. I
2: mean I am Mexican. Like we've all got it. We've all got a little bit of it. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah.
1: Well Where are we? Do we want to continue with the questions or do I mean, we I want can... to talk about trans activism?
2: Listen, <laughs> it's your podcast. I'm not in a rush to get anywhere, and we're already well past an hour. Uh, but right. I'm not in, I'm not in a hurry so <laughs> okay. I'm I'm, okay.
0: Here. I'm here and not in a hurry we remained as we do have almost another hour of footage to go through and edit so we are going to end this episode here and have another episode out of this wonderful fabulous informative insightful conversation with Lady Veronica Kestrel once again thank you so much and now daddy did you lead us out with a daddy joke? Yeah, I can do that. Can you? I can. Are you sure? I always do. Okay. It's kind of like a requirement now. It, it it really is. And you are, if nothing, you are stable in that aspect. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, the <laughs> that's the one thing I'm stable in. That's not how I meant that, but that's how <laughs> it came out. If nothing else, you do the daddy joke. Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. That is not how I meant it. I'm sorry. It's the only thing I'm here for. Is anyway. Joke. <laughs> Who's the himbo here? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daddy, would you please lead us out with your wonderful, amazing daddy joke? Yes, I will. So, I met a
2: furry dominatrix the other day. Nah. And they had an amazing sound system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You wouldn't believe how many subwoofers they had.